And now on the Business Radio X Network, another exciting episode with Jamie Overturf in Connecting Tucson with Jamie. Hello and welcome to Connecting Tucson with Jamie Overturf, broadcasting from Tucson Business Radio X, situated in Tucson in I'm sorry, Stuart titled Corporate Offices on Broadway. Connecting Tucson is all about connecting our community, local businesses, and organizations to help our community grow and thrive. Today we have a very special guest in our studios, Kimberly Walker, president of Pima Paws for Life, an adoption guarantee shelter located right here in Tucson. Kimberly was born in Michigan and her family moved here when she was two years old, so she's been here for quite a while. She has a love for animals since she was a small child and has had dogs, cats, horses, birds, and several other types of reptiles. So a very vast variety of animals. Kimberly has been involved in the animal welfare in Tucson for over 36 years and has worked professionally with animals her entire life. She wanted to start Pima Paws for Life in order to save animals that were being killed for illnesses and other problems that were easily treated here in Tucson. She enjoys painting, reading, and crafts when she can find the time. I'm excited to share her unique journey with us. Welcome, Kimberly, and thank you for coming on Connecting Tucson. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Kimberly, I'm going to start off with something very easily. You've always been involved with animals and advocating for animal rights throughout your life. Tell us a little bit about your life prior to Pima Paws for Life and that journey that took you there. Okay. Well, I actually um, started out... um, in horses, working with horses, uh, and we're talking, um, you know, 15, 16 years old. Yes, I was already working and, and getting paid for that work. Um, and then I moved. Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it is a very physically demanding job. I could not do now what I did then. I can, I can certainly tell you that. And, um, I uh, moved on from that. I, the first job that I think I really had ever was when I was hired by uh, the Humane Society of Southern Arizona. Um, we're talking, you know, a lifetime ago. None of the people that were there then are there now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I was, I believe, 18 or 19 when I started there. Um, and from then on, it's just been a forward forward motion. When, when I was no longer there, I began... Um, working at a grooming shop and learned how to groom and I have been doing that and I still do a little bit of that, not a lot, um, for clients that I've had for many years. Um, and I did that for uh, over 30 years while still pursuing doing animal rescue, doing uh, specifically dog and cat rescue, um, uh, for a long time when it was just me. Uh, running my own type of rescues and things like that. I was doing things like uh, breed-specific rescue. I did German short hair rescue here in mm-hmm. Tucson for a few years and um, just um, doing my best to try to make a dent. And um, from there, I went on. I did work. I did do a small stint, actually, in between those things at Team Animal Care Center, and this was a long time ago. I was probably in my mid twenties. And I think it was at that point really that it hit home how bad things really were. Mm. And as I said, this is not a reflection on the current status of, of that shelter because this was, I worked for them at a time when killing for space was perfectly acceptable, done all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, in the slightest, 
thing wrong with an animal, whether it was shy or, or sick or whatever, was plenty of reason. And, and lots of healthy animals got put to sleep. And I, and I do have to say that although I think I lasted about six months, um, maybe between six months, eight months, um, during my time there, uh, I have, I had witnessed things that, that have stuck with me to this day. And to this day, I still, I think that I'm still trying to, in a sense, um, atone. do penance for and atone for things that happened all those years ago, which is impossible, but, <laughs> but, we, but I still, try. yeah, sure, sure. So I, I feel that, uh, it was at that point, as I said, that my eyes were truly open to what a horrifying nightmare that was happening for a lot of the homeless animals in our community. Right. And I think that that is actually a, a very good point. I don't think many people's eyes are actually opened to, I guess, the type of things no. that can go on. And I think the education of that piece is, is very important. And yes, I do think we've taken some, some steps towards the right direction. I don't think we're anywhere near where we need to be. And I think what you're doing with Pima Paws for Life is something that is near and dear to my heart, as well as I think people would really like to participate in as well. So can you tell us well, a little you. bit about of things that are going on now that maybe we can... Um, talk about in the future and help educate people what are some things that you're seeing now in the field versus before uh versus before well the the things are are greatly improved um at our county shelter um there's always there are always things that you you would like to tweak mm-hmm. um once uh but yeah it's it's not even the same planet as as it was at the time that i was there or even six years ago um, when right. we started Pima Pause for Life. And um, I would have to say that as, as that shelter improved, because when we first started, we were exclusively pulling from Pima Animal Care Center. Right. Because we were trying to get the animals out of there that were still being euthanized for having kennel cough mm-hmm. or ringworm. or Something I mean, that's easily are, treatable. It's a, it, it was obscene. In, in my estimation, you're, you know, that's like a human being getting a cold and saying, oh, well, you're done. <laughs> um, it, it's not, I'm not equating them with human life, but at the same time, mm-hmm. this, I'm just trying to show people that this was the level, you know, an upper respiratory infection. This isn't a life-threatening situation for them. But once they started to improve and their numbers were better as far as their outcomes, as far as uh, their live release rates. And in other words, the animals that were getting out of there in one piece after about a year of pulling exclusively from them, we still continue to pull some from them, but we have also um, taken animals from outlying shelters now that are very core. Mm -hmm. Um, They're, they're in areas where they either have, just a really, really bad shelter situation. They don't have money. They don't have uh, anything to run it as well as they should. Um, and I'm even talking about those county shelters, outlying counties, right? Um, where they have very, very poor facilities and they just, they have no money for treatment. They have no money for anything. So we've pulled some animals from them. We've also pulled quite a few animals um, in the past, two years, I would say, from um, reservations, um, 
specifically the San Carlos Reservation. We, we pull quite a few animals from the San Carlos Reservation. And the thing there is, is that that's an area near Globe that right. has, there is no pound. There is no mm-hmm. nothing. And um, they have, I believe, if, if my memory serves, they have about a 75%, <clears throat> excuse me, about a 75% unemployment right there. Mm-hmm. So the people are not in a position to take care of their animals. Right. Or to help, even if they did have a shelter, to be able to help in with treatments and everything and food and costs. Right. And I'm sure right. Well, so we're seeing a lot of animals from there, but we also we also do take in quite a few animals from um, just people, just average citizens in Tucson who have found an animal um, that really needs our help. We occasionally get calls from veterinary clinics that maybe a good Samaritan brought an animal in and it was hit by a car or mm-hmm. something else that they're not going to hold it. You know, they're, they're going to, if they can't find an owner or if maybe it even was the owner that can't afford treatment. Right. And so they want to know if we can, if we're able to take it. And we, we are a small facility, but, but we take in as many as we can that, and, and with the focus continuing to be on the ill and injured animals. Oh, well, you are just amazing. You and your crew and your volunteers are just amazing. Some of the things that I've seen on social media, what you've been able to do has just been inspiring. And I can hear the passion. Yeah, and I can hear the passion and love that you have for these animals and just want to be able to help them. And it was kind Mm -hmm. of like a natural step from you moving to the, you know, PACC to your opening up your own Pima Paws for Life. So tell us about how that transitioned and who all helped form it and how did Pima Paws for Life actually come about? Well, um, Pima Paws for Life started uh, at the time. Don Rasnick, uh, who is a friend of mine, she had started, she was the first person she started uh, No Kill Pima County here in Tucson. And then she brought myself and a few other interested parties in to help grow that organization. Today, it's a flourishing organization here in Tucson. They do great things. Mm -hmm. Um, And before that even happened, um, I was working for an animal boarding facility. And we had a large one, uh, dog and cat boarding. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very close with the owners. And I said, you know, we have these 50 kennels over here, indoor, outdoor dog kennels and stuff that we only use during the holidays. You know, that's the only time we really use them. And mm-hmm. the rest of the time they're just sitting. I wonder if we could find a way to get some sort of a deal with animal control so that we could bring the dogs and stuff over here that have upper respiratory infections and put them over here and until they're well. So mm-hmm. that they can be adopted. Well, at the time, that was met with a flat no um, by the the leadership of the time um, that that was not going to happen. And um, so I kind of let go of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we did end up um, with the No Kill Pima County. And as No Kill Pima County was still very fledgling at the time, and my personal interest, although I think what they do is very important, I wanted to do something now right. <laughs> to to make an impact on those animals that were sitting at um yeah that were were continuing to be euthanized so um approached leadership again it was there was a leadership change and um there was a lot of pressure being put on them 
and at that point in time and uh Pima Pause for Life we formed that um myself and Dawn um came on to that as well and uh, Tammy Barrick and oh my gosh Lori Gatano um those were the first people you know it was it was the four of us at first who were were right. trying to get this going um and amazingly I I put out a call and, you know, we went ahead and got our 501c3 paperwork and that kind of thing. We got a deal with, uh, the County, um, which you have to jump through some hoops to get mm-hmm. that done as well. But, but we did get that done and, um, we rented the, the kennel space, you know, which had a huge yard plus the a building plus the, the kenneling and that kind of thing. And we rented that from my at the time employer and, uh, we, I put out a call and I said, Hey, we're going to start a new animal shelter right here. And this is what we're going to be doing is pulling all these animals out of animal control, um, that are sick. And I was honestly kind of surprised at how many people, you know, we had a few people show up (laughs) to help us start clearing out weeds because it was not a a used area, you know, clearing out weeds and everything and painting the interior of the building. And, and it was really, um, I, I was really touched by that, and um, most of those people are still a part of us, you know, one way or another, whether they still do volunteer work or, or that kind of thing, so it's, it's, it's really been awesome, um, but that's basically where it started was um, I just really, really, and as well as um, my colleagues wanted to just be able to go down there and get them out of there. Exactly, and and get them the help that they needed, and uh, so we contracted with them for a year, um, and we were paid. Yes, it was uh, the deal was seventeen dollars a day per animal, no matter what the treatment costs were, no matter what uh, happened. And at the end of fourteen days of treatment, if the animal wasn't well, um, well enough to come back, then we had the option of returning it anyway or keeping it. Mm. You know, and it just being signed over touch. No, it is not. (laughs) So um, luckily we were a 501c3, so we were able to supplement with donations, that kind of thing. And we kept, we did um, take some healthy animals back to be adopted. Um, We did have a really good relationship with the uh, rescue coordinators that were there at the time and said, if anything happens with this dog, and and then we started on cats as well, um, call us let us know. I will come back and get it. And we did have to do that a few times. And I think that's Um, really important because a lot of times people will pull and then bring back and then not, if something happens to them, you know, there's no chance usually. Right. Right. So, so we had a, we had it uh, set up pretty well. And then, then they did kind of decided they could do this on their own. And we said, okay. And we started uh, so now at this point, we're just completely funded out of the um, from the kindness of strangers, as, yeah. as they say. And we will so. get to that, I promise. But there is, um, there's a, what, now, you you guys just do such amazing work. Tell, what is Pima Pause for Life, and what is its mission? What What is your mission, and what is your objective? Well, our, our objective um, really is to save as many animals as we can, and as far as being an I mean, adoption guarantee shelter that's, that's also kind of a, 
another way of saying a no-kill animal shelter. And what that means is that it does not mean that we never would ever put an animal to sleep. What it means is that unless an animal is suffering with no hope of recovery, in which case, you know, you, you would, that's the humane thing to do is to put them to sleep. Um, but other than that, we do not, um, we don't put them down for any reason. So, yeah, go ahead. And I think that's a very valid point of differentiation because I do hear a lot of different types of different shelters that are out there from a no kill to an animal guarantee shelter to a rescue group to other things. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences between the different types of shelters and rescue groups out there and what like a no kill shelter will do versus a rescue or maybe just a, you know, community shelter? Like how does the, how does the inner workings work? Right. Well, a lot of even county shelters are trying um, now to improve their images. And I, I can't speak, obviously, for mm-hmm. the entire country, but because there are still some really, really bad areas of the country where it just they, people just don't care enough um, to make enough noise to, to get the change that needs to come about. And No Kill Pima County, I will say, you know, they were the ones one of the, the groups that were just continuously poking and poking and poking the bear until finally um, we started to get some good changes happening. But um, the, a lot of the municipal shelters, they don't necessarily call if they, if they say that if they, the basis of saying that you're no kill, which is a, a, another way of saying adoption guarantee facility um, is that you have a certain percentage of save rate, you know, a certain, a certain rate of animals that live out of all the animals you have now. Um, and my gosh, I'm going to say it's 92% and I'm probably wrong. Um, but, but I believe that's the, that's the number. I believe that's the number that, that they're, that they aim for. Got it. Um, and, in order to be able to say, well, hey, we've hit the save rate, which means that we can call ourselves a no-fill shelter. Okay, and what having was your rate? Said that, having said that, <laughs> there is really more to it than just the numbers. Got it. Um, you know, and, and I do think that a lot of places are focusing too much on the numbers mm-hmm. because then what ends up happening is maybe you're pushing animals out that shouldn't necessarily be going out. Um, you know, animals that are you know, really just, just need, um, to be let go, um, Mm -hmm. because they're suffering. But again, um, our save rate has never fallen below 98%. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And that's taking into account that everything that we have taken in, well, not everything, I will not say that, but that we focused on taking in the ill and injured animals. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the animals that we've had that the animals that we've had that have not survived have been animals that were, um, for example, we had one female dog come in a few years ago that was, um, at the end of kidney failure. And, and there was just no, there was, there was nothing that could be done mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and, and you count those, you know, you count everything. Um, you count the animals that maybe were born at the shelter that didn't survive. Mm. Uh, it's 
just basically what they veterinarians refer to it as failure to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll have kittens or puppies that do that. It just, no matter what you do, um, they just don't gain weight. They don't, you know, from, from the moment they're born, they just don't make it. Um, but the point is with being accountable and being honest, you, you have to attribute everything, you know, whether, whether it was an animal that already came in that was extremely ill and, uh, didn't have any chance of surviving and was just going to suffer, um, to animals that, you know, that were born there that maybe just, uh, just couldn't make it, but Mm -hmm. you still, you have to count all of them. Yeah, you do. And I, it's just sad. Some of the stories that I've heard from Dawn and, and, uh, what I see on your social media, it's just heart wrenching. Some of the things that I see, um, it can be, it can be. And I've, I've cried many times. Okay. I've, we've had, uh, animals come in who, um, who we thought had a good chance of making it. And then, uh, after extensive medical tests and x-rays and things like that, found out that, um, that it just, it, it wasn't going to happen. And that's, devastating and quite honestly uh we take it personally yeah um i i take it very personally (laughs) you know i feel that uh you know when we take them into our organization we have made a commitment to them right and that they are going to get the best care possible that whether it's veterinary care um you know getting their playtime getting their mental exercised and just being all around healthy and that we're going to do our very best. And once we're committed to doing that, that's where we're at. And, um, uh, I don't like to lose. <laughs> and every time we, you don't like to lose, you will not give up. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, uh, I don't like to lose. I get, uh, you know, there's some anger there and, um, people said, well, you, you know, you get angry about this. And I said, well, I said, leave me alone. My anger is what keeps me going sometimes. You know? <laughs> sometimes so. that's all you've got. You've got to dig deep and you just got to <clears throat> use that and move forward and see what you can do. Cause there might be something that you hadn't thought of before and then it happens. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's just, you have to kind of, you have to have some energy come up from somewhere that says, no, this isn't going to happen this way. This isn't going to be the end of the story. Exactly. So how does PPFL, Pima Paws for Life, differ from other shelters or rescues? (laughs) Excuse me. Um, We're different primarily in that we are small, which means we don't take in a lot. Mm -hmm. A big part of that is simply because a lot of the animals do require a lot of extra care and part of that is just to restraint as far as uh, physical building capacity and that kind of thing um and we do have a few fosters but but not many mm-hmm. and but our primary I, I would say that that is our primary primary difference from other shelters is that our focus is on um the animals that have because have physical problems um we do take in animals that that don't um but by and large that is our focus do you have people that come and surrender animals directly to you or do you find you're pulling more from shelters no we we actually probably have more at this point in time coming directly from the public uh people call us and say can you take this um 
unfortunately, a lot of times we have to say no, mm-hmm. but, uh, but we, if it's possible for us to, t- to say yes, we do. But again, a lot of them are, we, we try very hard to say yes and make room for the ones that are in trouble, that are physically in trouble, whether they've been hit by a car or they're extremely ill or they've been physically abused in some way that they that they've got to get that help as soon as possible they've got to get that medical help right right so now that we're talking about that type of medical help that you're talking about you've mentioned what type of services and programs do you offer well at this point well with because of the pandemic because of covid (laughs) uh we did have a lot of volunteering going on uh unfortunately that's kind of almost come to a complete halt uh, we welcome volunteers of all ages. We have had a lot of children come and volunteer. We don't have a problem with that at all, um, as long as the parent stays with them. And we love the fact that there are kids that want to come and, and volunteer because I think it's very important for them to get that sense of what it feels like to give of yourself and do something for the community and how that feels because that's your pay. You know, mm-hmm. that's how you get paid is by, by feeling good about what you've accomplished just for the sake of doing something nice for somebody else or someone else or mm-hmm. something. And um, we do offer animals for adoption, of course. And we, so we do have, uh, and again, though, at this point in time, we're having people call us and say, hey, I want to come in and look at this dog so that we're not having a steady stream of people coming in and out because that's problematic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the pandemic is really, um, I was just, and obviously we do take animals in from the public, so that's definitely a service. Yeah, and I was just about to ask that because you had mentioned that you rely heavily on donations and volunteerism from the community and with the pandemic mm-hmm. being worldwide, um, I'm sure many shelters, not just yourself, are feeling some of the cutbacks that people are making. Um, yeah. How How is this really affecting Pima Pause for Life from the services and programs that you're able to move forward with? Well, uh, we're hurting. Um, we're, we're definitely starting to feel it at this stage of the game. Um, the vast majority of our, and our volunteers are, are more or less staying away just for their own safety Mm -hmm. uh we do have a few volunteers that have been with us for years and years um were who who are still coming um but they're very careful um they don't even go inside the building you know they're just Mm -hmm. like here's the dog bag give me another one um and doing the masks and the hand sanitizer and everything because we want to keep everybody safe right and um but at this point we can't have just a bunch of new volunteers coming in and we definitely can't have the kids coming in and, and things like that. Um, and as far as donors go, we're primarily funded. Most of our money that we get are from people that are just average people with average bank accounts who are giving us, um, you know, $20 a month, $10 a month, $50 a month, um, that kind of thing. That's the vast majority of them, and at this point in time, um, a lot of them, because they'll be on an automatic payment every month. Right. So you uh, have, that's, and 
going to ask you have yeah. something like that that maybe if you can't give even five dollars might help correct like even oh yeah so, oh yeah definitely i mean we have some people that are giving five dollars but but the problem is is right now even some you've got a couple of problems you've got the problem of people losing their jobs mm-hmm. um and having to cut back and so people who are able to give you even just the, you know the smaller amounts which is fantastic because it all adds up have um paused they're giving mm-hmm. right now so there's there's about 40 people that i last checked that have not canceled but paused their their online giving mm-hmm. um and then on top of that we can't hold any fundraisers not any in-person fundraisers any any plans that we had had for basically the entire year to do anything in person to make people more aware of us and to raise funds is is gone you know it's gone um because of this oh that is so heartbreaking and well i know people maybe not be able to give money but is there other items that people can donate to maybe help um food blankets what what can the community do to help maybe lower some of those costs um well um we can always use uh, the canned dog food. We normally we normally tell people the uh, ground kind, and we usually have if they've got a Costco membership, that's great. They can go to Costco and get a case of uh, of their canned dog food for you know nineteen dollars, which is fantastic price. Um, it is. We do uh, we do normally have enough dry food. Um, because we go through Cody's Friends, which is another great organization here in Tucson that specifically helps um, not just rescues, but your average person who needs food for their pet. Mm-hmm. And we buy it from them from by the pallet. So we usually get uh, big chunks at a time, and what we pay for that is freight. So there is some money there, too, but, but not a lot. Um, but things like, and we do have the cats. Can't forget about our poor kitties. I was gonna say you have um, cats too. <laughs> yes, we do have kitties. We've got kitties. Uh, right now we have seventeen kittens, um, uh, little kittens, and uh, we're slowly getting those ready to get out of there and hopefully get adopted out. Um, they all came from feral mama cats, mm. uh, so they were very tiny when we when we pulled them, um, so that they weren't totally freaked out by human beings, and. Uh, so we do have the kitties that we can always use uh, some canned cat food for them. Um, they prefer the pate style as well. And the dogs, for some reason, do too. I don't know why. They like the pate style dog mm-hmm. food. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, things like that. We, we're pretty good right now on things like blankets. It's just uh, dog treats are always great. We, we ask um, that people don't give us rawhide treats because we don't feed those to the dogs right uh rawhide is one of those things that you really need to be able to observe the dog chewing on it in case they they get a chunk off yeah right and we are not in a position to do that so so we can always uh, use that yeah milk bones um you know i've i've found some of the cheaper ones at the grocery store treats are you know like the vita bones i don't know what it is about vita bones but they're low cost crunchy little treats and the dogs really like them my personal dogs like them and i've got some picky dogs uh (laughs) they're all rescues it's funny how that ends up working out you know know. they're eating out of garbage cans one day and the next day they're like 
I'm not eating that. No, I want uh, that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what's that? You see you know? the personality so. start to come out when you start, you know, they start knowing that they're taken care of and people are there to help them. I, I, I see, and uh-huh. I've seen that with rescues. And I think that's part of why I really love with what you do. But you see they're, they're different on the streets than when they come into your Absolutely. home. And once they get into your home and they know, I, I literally have um, fostered a couple of them and, you know, when their first night, they sleep like 18 to 20 hours because they know they're they safe. Do. And they do. it's just heartbreaking because they haven't been able to get rest. And, you know, you're crying and you're petting them and you're like, okay, you're okay. You're safe, my baby. <laughs> right. It's just Absolutely. One of those. Yeah. So. Um, Absolutely. And you did mention you're a 501C3. Um, so at that point, yeah. are any of the monetary donations, they are tax deductible? Do you offer receipts? How does that work? Yes, um, we do offer uh, receipts, and um, we try very hard to get, keep track of everybody's stuff coming in so that mm-hmm. we can send send out a letter. And um, if people write checks, of course, their check is, is works as a receipt as well, besides the receipt that we, Correct, we yeah. give you. And, it, you know, it's a tax deductible as far as the limits of whatever the IRS Correct, will, yes, of yes. course, allow you to, to deduct. Um but yes, we, we are a 501c3, so we are a tax-exempt tax charity that you can um, definitely use those if you're able to itemize your donations. That's wonderful. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Connecting Tucson with Jamie, where we focus on connecting our community, local businesses, and organizations to help our community grow and thrive. As your local insurance professional for all of your insurance needs, business and personal loans, I know how important it is to make lasting connections right here in our Tucson community. You never know how a connection will create a spark or pull you in a unique direction. If you are a small business owner or involved in a community project and you would like to be featured on the show, please feel free to give me a call. All of my information is on TucsonBusinessRadioX.com and I would just love to hear from you. Today we're talking with Kimberly Walker, president of Pima Paws for Life, an adoption guarantee shelter, which we also learned is another name for a no-kill shelter, located right here in Tucson, Arizona. And Kimberly, we've been talking about how people can help in our community and the rehabilitation processes for these unadoptable or difficult animals that our normal shelters like PACC might have a hard time finding. How does that rehabilitation process work for these types of animals? You talked about having a few fosters, but are they all done in-house? Do veterinarians come in? Do you have certain professionals come in to help rehabilitate maybe behavioral issues if they're not just medical? How does that look? Yeah, absolutely. We've got, first of all, um, let me back up. That was a few questions at once. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, that's I'll go for fine. it all. That's Go fine. for it. <laughs> You're going for it. Yeah. Well, um, yes, we, we do. The vast majority of the animals stay at our shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said before, we are small, so we're not overcrowded. We don't have so many that, that they're not getting the proper care there and I shouldn't even say proper care but but nobody gets shortchanged I should say on um, what's going on with them a lot of them come in with problems that are not going to be a quick fix so that process can take a while um, whether it's a physical problem or a psychological problem and for example uh, we just got in a dog that we've chosen to name Gabriel Mm -hmm. after the angel. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and he is the sweetest dog ever. He came off of the San Carlos Reservation. The people said that uh, he was already on his way to dying, so they were just going to let him do that, Um, his previous owners. And so a wonderful woman named Julie who uh, lives on the reservation, works on the reservation, and does animal rescue up there, God love her, uh, she sees a lot of things that um, I don't want to see. And she pulls animals, asks us, as well as several other groups, whether or not they've got room to take. And I said, yes, we will take him. He has um, severe mange. And he had a, a some sort of an abscess that must have exploded on the top of a foot, which um, top of his front foot. So he had like a big hole in the top of his foot. So we're treating for that. He uh, has tick fever, which all of these things are treatable. You know, all of these things mm-hmm. are, are, you know, mange medication uh, is nowadays you can give them a, uh, oral flea and tick treatment like Symperica, which is what we did for him. And that will not only get rid of the ticks and fleas, but it also actually kills mange mites. So once he said that, you know, okay, we're, we're working on those things. And uh, we do have a veterinarian that can't comes in. Uh, she comes in when we need her to is once a week. Usually is how much she comes in unless, unless we don't need her for a week. Uh, she's always available to us. Um, I can call her or text her anytime that I need to. And that would be Dr. Farrell who, uh, works out of the pet doctor clinic on Orange Grove and Oracle. And I can't say enough good things about her. She's been fantastic. She's quick. She's thorough. She really knows what she's doing and, uh, does not have a problem with, uh, coming to our shelter to, help us out with the animals That's wonderful. and give us help in between. If I call and say, we have a kitten with upper respiratory. Okay. How much does it weigh? And you know, here we'll, we'll do this. Um, so she's been fantastic and we do have work with, um, Rachel at soul dog. Uh, when we have animals come in that have psychological issues that we just don't feel comfortable with dealing with. Um, Rachel is phenomenal with, uh, dogs that are maybe dog aggressive or we think they might be dog aggressive. So we'll send them to her for evaluations, that kind of thing. And she can let us know if this is something that, no, it's just, uh, it's just from being locked up or, you know, or the dog just doesn't like other males or whatever the case may be. Right. She's able to pinpoint Exactly. But it's a safe, a much safer situation to have her do it with her personal pack of dogs because they're uh, it's, it's, yeah, they're trained. They, they know not to react. If a dog reacts towards them, they don't blow it out of proportion, which is what would probably happen if we did that at the shelter to try to test these things. Exactly. So um, she's great for that. And, uh, yeah, we, we also have had, uh, Nancy McDonald come in, um, to do massage therapy on, uh, another reservation dog that we got who, when he was found on the reservation, he was very thin and he, uh, must've been hit in the head. Oh, 
because he had some little damage to his eye and he was basically walking in a circle. Um, yeah. He was unable to walk a straight line. He had his head tilt and he was walking in a circle. Mm-hmm. So um, the veterinarian thought that, you know, he probably had some sort of head trauma. And he actually, Kobe, he actually just got adopted to some people who have just been wanting him and wanting him. And, uh, you know, a wonderful home. He's never going to have to worry about being treated that way again. Again, he had tick fever um, coming off the reservation. We tend to just treat them for tick fever. Mm -hmm. We don't even do a test because it's a real real problem it's a common problem up there yeah very common problem we started talking about all of these different types of programs and and services that you provide for these animals on average how much does it cost for per animal to you know provide them the services and the care and the medication and the food that you need per day oh boy (laughs) animal per day (laughs) give a best animal per day if i were going to break it down Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it can go anywhere from, it probably costs us anywhere from $25 a day up. And when I say up, it, it just, you know, because we've, we've had dogs that needed $5,000 surgery, right. um, broken legs uh, for broken like legs, uh, hip repair. Um, we have one dog right now who came from Mexico and the repair that was done on his leg was not done properly. So now we need an orthopedic consult um, for him to see if we can fix it. And as I was saying before, once we've taken them in, and and a lot of times when you're rescuing, you might have an idea of what the problems are, but you never really know 100% what you're dealing with. And sometimes you get surprises. (laughs) Um, But once you've made that commitment, you've made that commitment. So you have to, to find a way to raise the money to meet and uh basically honor those those promises what you yeah what you promise um, for the the animal and the other yes absolutely and yeah exactly how many animals or dogs and cats can you bring onto the facility i know you said you were small but how many animals are we looking at right now i think right now we have 20 cats and I'm trying to mentally do a head count here of the dogs. I <laughs> Going think there names. are. Yeah, I basically am. Yeah, because <laughs> they all have a name with us. Exactly. Um, uh, we've got, let's see, one, two. I'm going to say 15 dogs right now, which doesn't sound like a lot, but they are. And I mean, compared to other shelters. Right, but not. these are dogs that have um, either behavioral issues or they actually have medical issues that the other shelters just don't have time to to do exactly so i mean yeah, you're taking yeah. on the the most risk is what i think in my opinion you guys are taking on the more undesirable of the dogs that will definitely not be adopted if they have a broken leg or if they have an upper respiratory infection people aren't going to come in and adopt those types of those types of right animals right until those are healthy. things that have to until they're healthy right exactly. and and we spend a lot of money doing that and we spend you know our, our adoption fee for dogs is 125 um and that doesn't even begin to cover right. the cost, which is why we're always, um, you know, really in desperately in need of, of donations because it just doesn't. And, and your average person has no idea what what it costs to do this. Um, plus, when you have a facility, of course, you have it like like 
you've and got the building business the radio you've got your building you've got exactly. your electric you've got your water um you have your staff you have uh and those are just your normal bills that you're you're always going to have and uh, I do like doing it this way um, in the sense that at any given moment we can know exactly what's going on with every single animal and uh, foster-based groups are great too Um, but we're all serving kind of a, a different purpose we all have our different niche yes definitely well I have to say I know that what you do is a labor of love and it can have so many different emotions throughout the day has there been a specific rescue or rehabilitation that has stuck with you over the years um boy there's been a few um a couple that didn't turn out the way that we had wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, those always tend to stick with you, unfortunately. Right. Um, what about a happy even one? Even more so. A happy one would be Rocky. Rocky. Um, Rocky. <laughs> I think I remember Rocky. <laughs> do you remember Rocky? I he do. Was, <laughs> he was orange and white mm-hmm. once he got his hair back. And he was also a reservation dog. And he came in just emaciated, uh, covered with sores and scabs, very little hair. Uh, he was he had a lot of skin thickening because he had suffered with mange for so long. Um, he was anemic because he had tick fever, uh, long-term tick fever. He was kind of a mess. Mm. Uh, and just the before and after pictures of him, I still look at them. And just stunning, just stunning, the, the difference. Uh, and... The photos show that, but the photos show a little bit as well of his internal transformation because exactly. when he came in, he was just curled up in a ball Shy, and, and very defeated, mm-hmm. defeated uh, is the only way I can really say it's, uh, you know, some of these animals, they come in and they're like, why don't you just let me die? Because they're so miserable and they just don't have any hope that things, life is ever going to be any better. Um, and they're suffering. And once you get them to the point where they're feeling a little better, they're like, oh, well, I have fresh food multiple times a day and this mm-hmm. is good stuff. And oh, somebody brought me some boiled chicken and, you know, and they're getting the medication. They, yeah, we, we kind of, yeah. We and that's when that you see stuff. their personality come out to say, no, I no longer want the garbage. I want that boiled chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So maybe we have a little bit to do with that, um, with, the, with the way we take care of them because they come in and they're sick and they're like, oh, you need some boiled chicken. There you um, go. So some chicken breast, you know, boneless, yeah. skinless chicken breast. And, uh, and we can always use that as a donation as well. We can always use, uh, I always tell people the cheapest place to get that is at Walmart. Mm-hmm. You can buy an entire flat for about $12 of boneless, skinless chicken breast. Well, I'll um, make sure to put that on my website so people know when they're there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, you know, hey, it's, I mean, everywhere else, I don't know why it's so expensive everywhere else, but there it's normally really good deal. And uh, we do boil that. Um and we do give that to the animals that aren't feeling well. And, and it's important to give them food like that and that it's warmed up because animals, dogs and cats both go by whether or not they're going to eat something is by the, what they smell, just not like by what they taste. Just like when a human's sick, you know, like that chicken soup that gives you back to that, oh, that's going to help me make me better type thing, I think almost to that mentality. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And if they can't smell it, which a lot of dog foods and stuff, they can't really smell mm-hmm. it anyway. And if they're all congested and that kind of thing, they just turn away. They say, I don't, I don't want that. 
Um, so you have to give them something that's Incentive. a little bit higher value. Exactly. Yeah. So we're almost yeah, done exactly. here. Um, is there mm -hmm. anything that we haven't gone through that you'd like uh, the listeners to know? Uh, don't forget about us. Um, <laughs> you probably didn't even know that we existed before. We, we still hear that uh, because we don't have a big advertising budget. We don't have a big marketing thing. Um, pretty much all of our money just goes straight back into taking care of the animals and making sure that they get what they need. Uh, so just um, remember us when you're just, if you decide that you want to donate somewhere or drop off some dog food that, that we're here. And as Absolutely. well as if you're looking for your next family pet, remember that we're here and uh, feel free. I know right now is a bad time for everybody, mm -hmm. but um, feel free to give us a call if you want to come down and, and look at any of our animals. And uh, we're definitely, we, we have a website, although um, I have, I'm, it's not nearly as active and updated, which is my fault, as, as the Facebook page. It's the Facebook page for anybody who is on Facebook. That's just a continuous running of uh, things that are going on in the animals that we have and, and what's happening with them, videos of them and everything else and photos. So, um, yes, yes, it is. You That's know, where I just, see all uh, of my Facebook updates. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes, we uh, definitely, uh, you know, just try to remember where you are. That's going to be my goal. I'm going to make sure that everybody that I know has the word out and, and making sure that you need some outpouring of some love, especially right now during COVID. And thank you so much for sharing your time and your story and your journey on how Pima Paws for Life came on. It's just inspiring and amazing. And thank you for all that you do for the animals that are out there that really need the help that I think need the extra time and attention and love and just just that extra touch. And I think that's what Pima Paws for Life does and which is why I'm always trying to help when I can. Um, oh, well, thank you so much, yeah. Jamie. I really appreciate the support. Absolutely. And that is all for connecting Tucson with Jamie here at Stuart Title Studios. If you like the show, please let us know. You can find Pima Paws for Life online at pimapawsforlife.org or go to their Facebook page, Pima Paws for Life. You can see them there. Just search that in the, in the top bar and that'll pull up here in Tucson. Or you will also find all of their information, including their phone number, website, Facebook, on tucsonbusinessradiox.com with Connecting Tucson with Jamie. As always, do not be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and make that new connection. You never know where it might lead. Until next time, this is Jamie Overturf with Farmers Insurance. Keep on making unique connections, Tucson.